0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. So please take a moment and email us at mystory@cowboyjunctionchurch.com. At also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Listen, when you saw the video today, the little highlight video of all that's happening this year, it was an amazing year. It really was. Um, there are still kids trying to figure out how they put the Easter egg factory together and how it worked. But um, that, that, just the highlight of that is pretty unusual. Um, with that, we were out of a series But I decided this week to continue it, and I wanted to talk to you about one more unusual. We are out of an unusual giving, unusual offering. We're still talking about unusual faith, unusual courage. But today is Christmas message here at Cowboy Junction, and we moved to more of the Christmas theme. And today, I wanted to talk to you about something that's very important to me, and you can kind of see it in the video that we just showed. Cowboy Junction has some unusual volunteers. And your volunteering here at Cowboy Junction is amazing. Uh, Some have described it as voluntolding. But it's really closer to volunteering if you think about it, because according to how stubborn some people are in Lee County, you aren't told anything. You finally just say, you're right, I need to do it, and you volunteer very well. In fact, you're unusual volunteers. If you don't know the story of Cowboy Junction's volunteers, uh, several years ago, we began to really uh, form some structure around here. Instead of just kind of wishing and hoping and thinking things were going to happen, we began to. Just apply some structure now for everybody who flies by the seat of their pants. You, you, know, you would look at that and go, "Ooh, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like structure. Uh, that's me." Okay, but then I began to see how important it was for us to all be a part of the mission, the vision. We began to really get behind, love God love people, and have no limits in our life. And then something really fun happened. Uh, We did a survey, and we found out that that 14% of Cowboy Junction volunteered on a regular basis. That included Camp Crossfire, included the youth camps, kids camps, all the different things. 14% 14% of our congregation, which we felt like was really good, but it was below the average of healthy churches. It was then that C.G. went from being the youth pastor to the administrative pastor around here, and her number one target goal was to get people active in serving the kingdom of God. We, we kind of approach that from this way. Look at it like this. A lot of people would look at, what well, we're serving a church. No, no, no. Let's get our eyes off of the church. And we want to get you focused on getting involved in God's kingdom at work. Okay? That's huge. That changes everything. If you, if you serve a church, you'll only get burned out. Okay? But if you serve the kingdom, I promise He will always put joy. He'll put joy in your heart. And if you ever get down, it's like I'm I've been serving Jesus and I'm just worn out. Maybe you're doing it wrong. Call a timeout and talk to Him about it. And I promise you, He will talk to you and say, No, no, no. you're doing this for you, and you got to start doing it for Me. I've done that before. I've done that as a pastor. Serve the Lord as a pastor, and then turn to the Lord and said, "What's the deal? I am worn out." And the Lord said, "Well, you're doing it wrong." You're thinking about yourself. You're doing this for you. You're wondering, you know, what do they think of your messages? Who cares what they think? Just keep preaching what I told you. Right. And all of it, that's just kind of a side note. I'll probably, yep. Yeah. And it's one of these things where when I get back on track and I talk to him about it, all of a sudden my joy comes back and my love comes back and my peace comes back and my excitement comes back. And it all wraps around serving the kingdom. And our church went from 14% of the church volunteering to 51% of the church volunteering. Volunteering is a big deal around here. It's something that I truly believe that you got to pay attention to your life. Some people would turn and say, how does maturity take place in an individual's life? Like, let's just face it. We, need all, we all need to grow up We all need to continue the spiritual growth into into falling more in love with God's plan for our life, our Father's plan for our life. How do we do that? Some people think you need to take classes, and I I think classes are great. I really do. Some people think you need more teaching. I love teaching. I I love devouring. I'm hungry. I'm hungry spiritually. I got to eat. I really do. But you know what I've seen grow people up the fastest is just by getting active, Just by getting involved, and my mom is a great testimony of this, and my mom, years and years ago, this is back in the 70s, my mom served in kids' church, and from serving in kids' church, she actually started listening to the kids' church messages. She thought she was teaching the kids, and the kids' messages began to teach my mom. Yeah, from volunteering, from volunteering, And here my mom now began to absorb the messages, and my mom accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. It happened to be around Christmas time, but it shows the power of volunteering. It happens in every one of our lives, and I think there's some unusual volunteering that happens around here. Just from hearing your story that you wrote on your envelope last week, I began to see that some invitation took place, that somebody invited you to hear what's being spoke here. From there, you got involved. It changed you. Something snapped inside of you, and you just developed this hunger, not for a church and not for a pastor, just this hunger for more of what God had for your life, and I think that's very unusually awesome. It's a part of God's usual plan, and I think it's very unusual, and I think it shows the power of an unusual volunteer. So today, I'm going to have you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 2. And in John chapter 2, you're going to open it. And the first thing you're going to notice is that this is not a Christmas story. And I would turn to you and say it absolutely is. In fact, I'm going to get there eventually because I read something the other day in this and I just had to teach on it. It just jumped out. I had to get on it. But it, it tells this story and it says this. On the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan. Of Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Stop. This is the story. This is the wine story. This is Jesus getting jiggy at a wedding story. Okay. People love this story. If you ever think, well, Jesus turned water. There are people who've never been to church in their life, but would write a country song about water to wine. I'm telling you, Everyone knows the water to wine story. And there's a few things that you have to pause. Anytime you read these stories and the first thing that jumps out inside of your mind is, oh, I've heard this one before. Oh, I've heard this one before. You've got to stop and realize that maybe you should slow down and read it again, but slower. And there's a few things that you have to pay attention. Why on the third day? Why on the third day? For for believers in the room, there's something alarming, something ding ding, ding 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 about the third day. We know that on the first day he was crucified, the second day he was in the tomb, the third day he rose from the dead. You know, there's something about the third. why is it third day? Why not the fourth day? But it was the third day. But on the third day, there was a wedding. A wedding. Wedding is a very important thing. For our future, a wedding is a very important thing. It's it's because in our future, when we get to heaven, there's a married supper of the Lamb. A time when we go to a wedding ceremony. We are the bride, and and our Jesus is the groom. And and on this day, you see a wedding. And weddings are cool. Weddings is a moment that everyone should realize, what what was the last wedding you went to? And how did it turn out? Did you have fun? See, I've had to, I've had to learn that, that it's important for me to go to weddings because weddings break, break me out of my pastoral shell. And nothing can break out a pastor from his pastoral shell than going to one of your old high school rodeo kids' weddings to where you don't know how they're going to act. You don't know what they're going to do. They're just glad you're there. And, and you might have told them about Jesus, and they accepted Jesus, but you didn't get much discipleship along the way. They're just, we love Ty. He needs to do our wedding. I tell you what, it's kind of fun showing up at a high school rodeo, old high school rodeo kid's wedding. Because when you walk in, they kind of look at you the way you guys look at me when you see me at Walmart or the movies. It's like when you guys see me at the movies, you come around the corner and you about drop your popcorn because you didn't expect to see Pastor Ty at the movies. Like, I don't go to the movies. And you come around the corner and you're like, hey, what are you doing here? I go to the movies. And then I, I, I I show up at the wedding and someone turns around the and goes, whoa, what are you up to? And... and and I'm like, I'm doing the wedding. And, and after about an hour, everybody begins to loosen up a little bit. Everybody begins to have fun. And all of a sudden... We, we fall back into our old ways. Our, 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 no, I our old ways. We fall back into our old relationships. I remember them, and they remember me, and I love them, and they love me, and I'm calling Heather. No joke. This is no joke. I'm calling Heather on the phone because she didn't get to make the weddings. She has to stay home with the kids, and I go, hey, I'm at the wedding. I'm having fun. Can I dance with other women? <laughs> And she goes, you have a blast. Just get after it. And I'm, with that permission, put the phone up, grab, grab that old kid that you used to pastor years ago, and all night you dance away and you have fun and you hug necks and you say goodbye. And they said, we follow you on podcasts. And hey, Pastor Ty, we love you. And I love, I love you too. And can, why do I tell you that? Because what do you think Jesus did at a wedding? I think he hiked his skirt up, and he got out there, and Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, busted a little bit, sandals and all, and 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 I think you guys should loosen up for a minute and realize that this isn't. Jesus. It doesn't say he performed the ceremony. It didn't say anything about the pastoral, um, rabbi side of Jesus here. It just simply says he was at a wedding. It was at a wedding. Why was Jesus at a wedding? These are questions you've got to ask when you read this. This is the guy who came to rescue the world of sins. This is the son of God. What is he doing at a wedding? Let's read. I want you to, because theologians have asked that question for years. Why is Jesus at a wedding? Okay, let's keep going here. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were? Say it together. Now, Jesus and his disciples were? I'll be doggone to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, time out, both Jesus and his plus 12 were invited to the wedding. you got to slow down and start reading these things. Do you guys ever stop and pause the power of an invitation? Do you ever think about the power of you actually inviting something? You assume, you hope, you wish, you think. But have you ever invited And a lot of people kind of go through life and they believe in God and we kind of just hope that when we walk through the door he's going to be there. And for some people, the reason that they don't ever see God do something is because I want to ask you this. When was the last time you invited him to do it? And here you have a wedding. I don't know how, the relationship works out. Mary is there, Jesus is there and apparently they know the couple well enough that the 12 got to come. You see here that they doesn't, they doesn't even mention the couple, but you see that Jesus was invited. You tell me this: how important is an invitation when it comes to the people you want? To appear at what you're doing, but how important is this story in telling us about the Son of God and His invitation into your life, invitation into your marriage, invitation into your business, invitation into your church? You know what? You know it can get really dangerous sometimes. At church, we assume God's going to show up, but how good are we at paying attention to how often do we invite Him? How often do we invite him? One of the things I want to uh, focus on as a pastor constantly is letting the first words out of my mouth every morning as a husband, as a dad, as a leader, as a pastor, as a man, may the first words out of my mouth be the invitation for God to be in my day. Come on. How powerful is an invitation? And here we see this incredible moment. Why was Jesus at a wedding? Because he was invited. He was invited. Where do you want him? And have you invited him? It goes on. And when they ran out of wine, whoops. Uh, I tell you, theologians have wrestled this one too. Uh, The Baptists really don't know what to do with it. Uh, But it says, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. They have no wine. And how much as you want to break this down, whether it was real wine, fake wine, old wine, new wine, was wine like today or wine like back then, however you want to break it down, it still boils down to this. They were out of it. That's how you have to look at this. They were literally out of it, out of wine, empty. I want to remind you, I'm fixed to talk about Christmas, but this story really kind of aligns with my Christmas experience. Sometimes I get empty. Come Christmas time, I'm empty with joy. I have no more joy. I have no more love. I am so tired of seeing people in Walmart. Uh, I have I, you know, freeways, traffic, trying to order stuff, finding out that that things aren't going to show up on time in the mail. Find, trying to get a Christmas list together, um, getting the right things, doing the. And at the, don't raise your hand. But I know there's some people in the room right now that you would go. You know what, Christmas. It ends up taking more out of me than putting something in me. And this story begins because something ran out. Something was empty. Maybe Christmas isn't joyful for you. Maybe it's one of those times of year to where you remember the better days. And you feel empty. You feel drained. This is the story of a wedding where there was supposed to be celebration. And in turn, there is emptiness. There is nothing. There is no more. And Mary sees it. Okay. The response here is real important. You've got to pay attention to this, okay? Is that Mary sees something and wants Jesus to do something about it. But I want you to pay attention to Jesus' response. Look, real careful at what he says in verse four. He says this. He says, "Jesus said to her, "Woman, which I do not recommend you say to your mother, okay? <laughs> he, he is Jesus, you are not, okay? And he says, "Woman, What does your concern have to do with me? Oh, yes. And and for all the young teenagers in the room that you think, well, Mom, I'm just quoting Scripture. Next time you tell me to take out the trash, what concern of this is mine, woman? You will see Jesus someday (laughs) on that moment, I promise, okay? And it says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not come. And for whatever reason, Jesus does not want to get involved. Okay, two things have just happened. We talked about invitation. Jesus got invited. And the next thing you see is Jesus doesn't want to get involved. I don't know how you guys are, and I only get so much time to preach, but this speaks to me. Because there are times in my life I feel empty. If there's anybody else that ever felt empty come Christmas time, I have felt empty too. I don't have what it takes anymore. I can bring a whole new low to Christmas. I'm just telling you right now. I really can, and there's a lot that I see that Jesus doesn't want to get involved in what I got going on. Do you ever feel like Jesus doesn't want to get involved in what you got going on? I know there's somebody in the room, there's somebody, who know, Jesus always wants to be involved in what I got going on. I'm glad, and that is somewhere I want to be. But there are some things, not everything, but there are some things, sometimes I feel empty, Sometimes I don't feel that he's responded to the invitation, and sometimes I don't feel like he wants to get involved. I'm out of wine. I'm out of joy. I'm out of love. I'm out of peace. I'm out of money. I'm out of time. And he doesn't want to get involved. I don't know who I'm talking to. But his mother said to the servants, today's message is called Unusual Servants. And the reason why is because this entire story shifts at this very moment. You know how it all turns out. You know the end of the story. You've heard the country music songs who capitalized on bringing out the point of the wine, and they missed the whole point about the miracle. Okay, and you see that there's an unusual servant that just took place in our church. This year, you guys served in an incredible way, in an awesome way, in a wonderful way. But last week, we were able to see God do something incredible as you chose to honor God with your very best. But I want to go back to the scripture because at this point... Jesus turns to her and says, woman, this is not my concern. I don't want to deal with this. My hour is not yet come. And she turns away from him and goes to the servants. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. So here's Jesus, and maybe he's listening to the band. Maybe he's into it, and she's whispering. He's like, what concern is it of mine? I don't care. Leave me out of it. It's not my time yet. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe it's something like that. Maybe he's leaning back and he's paying attention, and he's watching the ceremony. And he hears his mom and he goes, It's not my concern. However, you see it, the 007 or the P. Diddy, it doesn't matter. As long as you pay attention that she said something, he didn't want to get involved. And she instantly turned to the servants. One of the most powerful things you'll get, and if you, if, if you understand this, you're gonna understand so much, and it's my, my one and only point for it today, and I want you to see it with all of your heart. He didn't get involved until they got involved. I'm gonna say it again. He didn't get involved until they got involved. And when they got involved, That's when he showed up. And I see this over and over and over again in Scripture. Something like this to where he's not involved. He's doing his thing. But she knew that he was going to do something the moment that they did something. Whatever he says to you, just do it. Very next verse, verse 6. We got 6. Yeah now there were uh, set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 20- or 30 gallons apiece, okay? So you know this story. So so here they are. It's just Mary and the servants. Jesus isn't even involved yet. And she runs over, and she grabs the water pots, okay? And the servants help her with the water pots and bring them all over. And you have this moment where the servants begin to do the thing that needs to be done, okay? Okay, stop. Servants. Servants. Isn't there another reference about Christmas time and servants? Will you put up the Luke scripture for me, the Luke chapter two, Luke chapter 2 or Luke, Luke chapter 1, I believe? Would you guys put that up there for you? Then Mary said, okay, this is a whole other story. It's a story of the angel visiting Jesus and the angel turning and saying, Mary, oh highly favored one, God is going to use you. You will, be, you will have a child. You will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He fills her in on all the beauty that's going to take place. That he's going to rescue the world from sin. And then she turns and she says, how can it be? I am only a little girl. I'm only a young person. I'm a, I'm, I'm a virgin. How can I have a child? How can it be? And the angel said, God's got it all worked out. You got to trust him you got to put your hope in him. He's got it all worked out. And she ends up saying this, Behold, the maidservant. She's basically saying, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It's this very moment that Christmas is all about the moment that you decide to be the servant that God has called you to be also. It's an unusual servant. It's a young woman who's not even married yet, who is betrothed to Joseph and a virgin. I try explaining this one for the next 2,000 years. The immaculate conception. It's completely unusual, but yet she is willing to trust God and be an unusual servant right in the middle of it. And because she was willing to be the unusual servant, when she got involved, that's when God got involved. So now let's go back over to the, wet, the wedding story, okay? So then it says this. It says, Jesus said to them, so now he's, he's, he looks over and he can't believe this, but his mom is actually getting the servants. And when they get involved, he gets involved. Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. It's this one moment to where everything shifts from water to wine. Why? Because Jesus performed the miracle. But why did Jesus get involved? Because they got involved. Have you ever thought that your miracle could be hanging on the very fact that God's ready for you to get involved, and then he will get involved? Your very breakthrough is the moment when you quit sitting back and saying, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. And what if you knew in your heart that you were supposed to do it, and you just went ahead and stepped out in faith and did it, and along the way, God showed up and got involved? A lot of people struggle with this because we've always been taught we've got to wait on God I'm I'm hardly waiting on God because me waiting on God means that I move faster than he does. And he is way ahead of the ball game. He is way ahead of anything I can imagine or think. He has put everything together before he even put the thought in my head. I don't want to mess this up by sitting back thinking that maybe God needs to get it ready before I take my first step. What I have found out is that the moment he puts it in my heart, it's time to have the faith to step out. And along the way, everything comes together. I'm not in charge. I didn't do this. He did this. And if you look at the water pot story, it's this moment to where when they got involved, he got involved. It came with an invitation. Father, would you please do what only you can do? And then it got involved. I'm ready to step out. And when you take a step, he shows up. You've heard me tell this story before, but I did a college rodeo in Big Springs, Texas. All the college kids showed up. We went in this little meeting room. It was great. We all sat around, and, and I began to ask them. I said, hey, just to get to know them a little bit, what do, y'all, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And nobody knew. Nobody. It's like, I'm on my fourth year of college, and I still have no clue what I want to do with my life. And, and I said, you know, here's the funny thing. I remember one time in my life, and I said something that some people would probably argue with, and, and I said, there was a time in my life where I just finally turned to the Lord and said, what do you want me to do? And the Lord, I could, I could hear him tell me, just say, I don't know, what do you want to do? And if I could theologically correct it, God wasn't saying, I don't know, like he doesn't know. But he was asking me, what's in your heart to do? And I knew the whole time. And when I said, I want to do this, God said, well, then do it. And I have found over and over again, some people say, well, you got to check your integrity. You got to check your heart. Your heart's deceitful. Not when you're living for Jesus. When you're living for Jesus, you know what to do. And you step out in faith. And along the way, he lines it all up. You would be surprised how many water pots would get full in your life with the right kind of joy and the right kind of love and the right kind of peace and the right kind of things that can only come from God if you would just step out and do what's in your heart to do, what God has called you to do. There's going to be some amazing things take place. He says, dry it out, fill the water pots, and the shift took place. Water to wine. I want to give you guys an illustration. Hey, Johnny, where's Johnny at? Will you help me? Come here, Johnny. Sean, why don't you just sit and buy him? Come help him. Come here. Okay, I, I brought my own. I brought my own tubs. Okay, so, so I wanted to make sure we got this water pot story down big time. You just just put it up there anywhere. If you have any questions, ask CG. And there you go. Take that. And I'm gonna follow you guys. So I brought my six water pots. Okay, and I wanted to kind of just grab one more. There's, oh, good job. There you go. Don't worry about it. I'll just walk over here and get this one. <laughs> there you go. All right. No, I'm jacking. I'm jacking with you. I'm messing with you. Okay. Here we go. So, so here's our six water pots, and they're empty. Do y'all know how significant the number six is in Scripture? It's the number of hum- it's the number for humans. It's the number for man six is the number of man seven is the number of perfection but six is the number of man isn't it interesting that he had six water pots three on the third day he went to a wedding and he asked for six water pots huh there's something not complete about this story okay and the not complete part is well, why wouldn't there seven if this was God's perfect plan why wasn't there seven? And that's why you guys are up here is because this story is about the servants who got six water pots, but they were the seventh. All right, come on, this is, this is how I want you to see. There were six water pots, but they didn't get up there accidentally. It took someone to be the vessel to grab it, move it, Set it, fill it, and God changed it. It took one more, and we keep forgetting we are the extra water pot. You are the extra water pot in kids' church. You are the extra water pot at your work. You are the extra water pot in your family. Dad, yes, you're married, but you are the individual that is the extra water pot in your home. Woman, woman! (laughs) Woman, you are the wife, you are the mother, but you are the extra water pot that gets it all in the right spot. And you would think, what I'm doing is not that big a deal. But do you realize, pots don't get there and fill up on their own. Someone did it. Why? Because someone chose to be the extra water pot. And that brought the seven and completion and perfection. Johnny and Shauna, <laughs> you are up here because we want to say thank you for being the seventh water pot. The Texas Aggie has the 12th man, and we've got the seventh man here at Cowboy Junction. You are our 2017 Volunteers of the Year, and we wanted to say a big <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. love you guys. Okay, so... So all our visitors, you're thinking that's awkward. She wears that hat all the time, and no, she doesn't. This is this. You can You have not seen two more faithful people in the whole world. They are here at five thirty every Monday. They are getting everything ready. They are checking on kids' church. They are opening the doors. They're greeters. They're hub workers. Johnny's running outside. He's doing the counting. Doing the counting. He. They hang the billboards. Every time you see a billboard change, they hang the billboards. Johnny is showing up at Iron Man, and Iron Man is Thursday at 6.30, and we we study one chapter of the Bible every Thursday. One chapter of the Bible every Thursday. You guys, you guys are the ones that keep putting the water pots out and keep filling it up, and you are the ones that God keeps using, that we keep receiving the blessing and I'm mean, read you the rest of this, okay? Pay attention to this last part, okay? It says this, it says this. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made to wine, and do not, uh, uh, made to wine, and do not know where it came, did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. I like that part. It's like the master of the house, he didn't know where it came from, but behind the scenes, you know exactly how God does this. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. So he said, come see me. So the bridegroom walks in and he says, and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, and you can read between the lines on that, okay, here we are, uh, then the inferior wine comes out. And you have kept the good wine until now. Something is said in this about finishing stronger than you started, finishing better. And that's why we want to honor our volunteers of the year at the end of the year. Because the way y'all start is awesome, but the way y'all finish is incredible. And it's a testimony to every one of us that this is so important what we do. This is so big in what we do. And what you two do around here, we wanted to make sure it didn't go unnoticed And we want to say a big thank you. So, can you guys give it up for them? Good job. Uh, They're they're just so faithful. They're so incredible. I'm going to close. Don't cheer. There's one pot that, that I purposely just kind of left stuff in. Um, picked up some pecans, and these make these great, great, just great tubs. These old feeding tubs just make great tubs. You can grow things in them. You can pick pecans up. You can use them for an illustration at your church. But what do you, what do, you do when you know that God's put something in your heart to do? And you want so badly to be a vessel what do you do? Let me be a little honest with you. I understand that sometimes you uh, you don't got all the time in the world. Um, there are good days and there are bad days. There are days that you can. There are days that you can't. But how do you know when one of those days is going to hit? How are you going to know when a day that you actually can? You committed to something and then you can't. That's just time, energy, man. It, there, you, your Monday night crowd, amaze me. You just worked a full day and then you come on a Monday night. Uh, do you ever feel like you want to? You just can't? Well, that's happened to me at every crossroad moment of my life. That's happened every time I track it back and God asked me to do something and I had a choice of a yes or a no, a yes or a no, I go back to the thing I said at the very beginning, God has discipled me on my attitude in that if I ever feel burned out, if I ever feel empty, if I ever feel frustrated, if I ever feel the joy has left, it's never God's fault, it can always be traced back to A way I was doing it, I wasn't doing it for him anymore. I was doing it for me. I wasn't, I wasn't looking for him to fill me. I I said, I got this, God. I can do this on my own. And he said, Okay, you can do it on your own. And, and you know what? Doing it on your own gets you, gets you, whatever you can give you. And I can give me more tired. But every time I allowed him to do, it always brought me joy. It brought me love. It brought me excitement. It brought me fulfillment. Peace. every time I ever stepped out to do something he was asking me to do. The, the only illustration I have to define the things that I've gone through in my life where I knew God was asking me to do something is you just got to make room. It's kind of like the awkwardness of, well, where do you dump a bunch of pecans? That's kind of how your day is. Well, how do you make time for it? How, how do you separate and give God your best and your finances? How do you, how do you, And it just boils down to, this is the best illustration I think you can come up with. If you want to be a vessel for the Lord, if you really want to get to the point to where you're empty so he can fill you up and you can see the miracle take place, you just got to get to the point where. that's just awkward. But here's the fun part. I've just made a lot of room for him to do what only He can do. And there's conversations that need to take place that are awkward, but once you get it out there, you realize but I just made room for God. There's budgeting that has to take place, but you realize when you get it out there, you just made room for God. There's time situations, and when it just boils down, when you get it out there, you just made room for what God wants to do in you. That's an unusual servant. Mary was making wedding plans and Jesus showed up and said, no more wedding plans. Go paint the room. You're having a baby. And she said, I am your servant. She dropped it all. I am so glad she did. I am so glad she did. He rescued me. He rescued you. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for your Christmas. I want to pray for this week. And I want to pray for your Monday. Next week. At some point. An invitation has to take place. To invite him into your world. Or to ask to be invited into his. An invitation has to take place. But then the more you get involved you find that he gets involved. He won't get involved until you get involved. Father, I pray for my friends. Father, today I pray that this simple message would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, that none of us would go home and think that we heard uh, uh, a pastor's message or we attended church, but every one of us would go home and and know in our heart that we just heard from the Lord on something he wants to talk to me about. Father, I pray that this Christmas we would realize that stress is not a place that you live and worry and fear and doubt and fret and all of these things need to be set aside. How involved are we in your plan? And when we get involved, you get involved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just ask this simple question. Have you ever invited Jesus into your life have you ever stopped we're not talking about joining a church we're just simply talking about the moment that you said Jesus I need you Jesus I need you it changed my life the day that happened if you've never done that before I want to encourage you right now You can leave knowing without a shadow of a doubt that you know Jesus, because you've invited him to your life. But I'd like to know who you are. And if you never accepted Christ as your savior, and you want to, will you do something for me? Just right there in your seat, no one's looking, it's just me and you and Jesus. Would you, by showing me that you would like to invite him into your life, I just want you to raise your hand and look up at me. If you'll do that right now, will you pray for me? I see that hand, yeah, I see you, thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you, thank you. I see, thank you, thank you. Once I see you, you can put it down, yeah, yeah, so cool, so cool. So here's what we're gonna do. We're all gonna pray. And in this prayer, maybe you've done this a 100 times before, For the people who've raised their hands, this is your first time to do it. I want you to mean this prayer with all of your heart. And sometimes as young believers, we don't know how to pray. So make these words your words and just be honest. Okay? Church, let's help. Here we go. Jesus, I need you. I feel lost and empty my invitation is extended to you come be my savior I am a sinner I have failed many times but I confess to you right now I need you from this day on I believe I am a new creation in Christ Jesus and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I love you. Amen. Today, there were several people who just accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. That's so cool. That's so, cool. yeah. so cool. Okay, so listen for the people who raised their hands. I'm gonna everybody's gonna be moving out, they're gonna be stacking chairs, they're so rude, but just ignore them, okay? We gotta get ready for school tomorrow. While everyone's doing their thing, I just want you to kind of get up out of your seat and I'm gonna come right over here. And there's a few things I'd like to give you, okay? One is a Bible, an easy-to-read Bible. Everybody needs an easy-to-read Bible. If you say it's okay, I got a Bible, listen, you can't have too many Bibles, alright? But then there's also a little CD that we put together that we want you to take, pop it in the CD player, and listen on the way home. Like as soon as you get in your car, you pop this thing in, and I'm going to start talking to you about what just happened here at Cowboy Junction. Okay, so cool. Um, so everybody, would you please stand to your feet? Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, don't come next week, it's Christmas. Okay? Don't come next week, it's Christmas. Now turn to him and go, man, I'm going to miss Ty. He's so good. Yes. (laughs) Cowboy says it's time for you to love God, love people, and have no limits in your life. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. We do need to stack chairs. Uh, If you raised your hand, just meet me over here. You guys have a great week in the Lord. Merry Christmas. See you later.